0: welcome everyone to the farm cpa podcast presented by top producer i am paul nefer your host uh today we're going to welcome in matt splitter from uh kansas area so uh matt how's how's the weather down there in your neck of the woods
1: um we're hot and dry um people ask how the weather is in Kansas. I'm like, you know, it's, it's that July, August time frame in Kansas. So it's a, you know, we've got your hot and dry spells. But um, you know, we could we could really use a rain a little bit of cool down crops are um, looking pretty average right now. Um, but we're not far away from from uh, cutting back on some yield potential. But uh, a timely rain we can pick up and, and, and uh, march forward with some pre- some pretty decent crops.
0: Actually, I was uh, out riding combine with my cousin yesterday for a few hours and uh, they had a field uh, or a couple fields that they thought, uh, according to his combine monitor, which those things are never very accurate anyway, it seems like, but uh, according to his monitor, he thought it was going to yield about 120 and ended up yielding about 140, 145. So they were, uh, he was pleasantly surprised by that. We're going to see a lot of 140s 150s 160s maybe 170s 180s this year on dry land wheat so it's a pretty good crop for us out here so uh, i don't think it's too often in kansas you get uh, wheat over one, 100 i know once in a while you can but uh, uh, we're, we're a little bit lucky out here in the pacific northwest
1: yeah yeah not very often not very often here but it's a uh, um we're raising hard red winter wheat and you yep. know that average between that 50 to 70 is is a pretty good sweet spot for us yeah Yep. Yeah, our hard red would typically because we we grow a fair amount of hard
0: red out here, but you know, soft white is definitely the dominant crop. Uh, but I would say the hard red yield doesn't quite approach the the soft white. You're probably five ten percent less. But uh, once in a while, you can get uh, you can get a pretty good yield on it. So um, so let's for the listeners out there. Uh, Let's go ahead and and start with your background. Uh, I assume you grew up in that area, but let's go ahead and get your background.
1: Yeah, um, our family homesteaded here in central Kansas, small town of Lorraine, um, in 1878, and, and we actually farmed some of the ground that was given through the Homestead Act to our family. Um, so I'm the fifth generation to uh, to farm on it. My uh, my mother still lives on that property, but we are the fifth generation to, to farm and it's only been the family that has farmed it. So quite a bit of heritage in that, yeah. in that, uh, local area. Um, my wife and I started farming ourselves in 2010. Um, my father passed away in March of 2010, somewhat quickly. Um, uh, he, he had, had fought cancer. Um, but the, the, the bout that, that he passed away from was, it was kind of, kind of a uh, quick, quick onset. And, uh, uh, so we farmed as just, uh, uh, managers of the operation for one year until we could do a full transition. And in 2011, my wife and Jana and I put our first winter wheat crop out. Okay. Um, and so that, that's when we, that's when we started farming and, um, you know, we are fifth generation family farm. Uh, my wife is the second generation. Uh, her father was a first generation farmer. Um, so, so. A little bit different backgrounds that both of us come from, but um, still with the same goals in mind.
0: Now, are you a wildcat if you're in Kansas? Uh, I, I wasn't sure if you're a wildcat or a Jayhawk or
1: something else. Yeah, both both Jan and I graduated from Kansas State University in um, that 2008-2009 that, that um, time frame. And, and, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a bleed purple um, wildcat.
0: Well, you know, I'm a Washington, University of Washington Husky, and uh, maybe we'll be joining the Big Twelve. I, I know it's definitely in a state of flux right now, uh, as far as uh, um, you know. Who who knows where we're going to end up? So,
1: but <laughs> yep, yep. well, we'd welcome.
0: Well, what? Uh, let's just uh, you know maybe. Um, so, what type of crops do you grow? How many acres are you farming? Th- those type of information.
1: Yeah. Um, we raise four the kind of the big four uh, commodities here in central kansas so uh, winter wheat uh, grain sorghum or we call it milo yep. um soybeans and corn uh, we've uh, out of our farm we're about 15 to 16 percent irrigated uh, acres um the the a little background on on how we got to where we are today is we uh um, in 2011, when we first started farming, we had we farmed about 1,500 acres, uh, and, and it was all family owned um, between my mother and some other uh, cousins, their her cousins. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, as as things evolved, we went through we we started Jan and I started doing some custom work where uh, we just asked the neighbors if we could plant their crops or or do some harvesting some. Uh, fertilizer applications. And, and, and we grew the custom farm pretty quick, um, which led to exclusive acres. And in 2015 timeframe, they about, uh, we, we were farming about 2,500 acres then at that point. And I, um, I, harvested $6 and 25 cent wheat or $6 and $6. 50 cent wheat. And then when I finally sold it in November, it was two nineties. Yep. Um, yep. And so, um, we went through kind of a struggle at that point is, you know, we'd, we'd upda- updated some equipment, we had uh, made some some uh, capital purchases, and then all of a sudden you know, we're, we can't m- m- meet those obligations uh, financially. And uh, so we, we were seeking out some advice from, from uh, people in the community or people that we trusted and found a mentor by the name of Lee Scheifler, Lee and Margaret Scheifler, um, just really looking for looking for advice, looking for help um, to help kind of uh, maybe point me in the direction of where I needed to go. Um, what, for as many questions as I was asking him, we didn't really notice that they were asking us. Um, and in 2016, um, they asked us if we would, uh, take over their operation so they could go into retirement through a transition mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And, um, she we really took over their custom side of their business. Um, and, and, uh, since then our farm has grown um, you know in 2011 about 1500 acres to to where we are today a little over 10,000 acres um and so it's it's been quite the journey over the last 12 years 10 to 12 years um we we bench we ourselves every day to, to realize really exactly what we're doing you know what we're doing who we're doing it for um and it, it's like i said it's been quite the ride and it's been uh, it's been very very fun, uh, been pretty fruitful, and uh, um, yeah, we're just enjoying what we do. Now, on, on
0: those acres, because um, in our area, if we're dealing with a wheat ground, it's typically a crop share, you know, two-thirds, one-third, 60-40, 80-20, whatever it might be, uh, some cash rent, but not a lot. Now, if we go into our irrigated ground, it's almost all cash rent, so I'm just curious, there in central Kansas is it crop share is it cash rent is it a combination of both? Um, I, I'm just curious what what you have in your area.
1: Yeah, we we utilize on our farm a combination of, 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 of a handful of of lease arrangements, but traditionally it'd be a one third two thirds uh, crop share is pretty standard. Um, <clears throat> as the farm as farm and farm ground transfers to the next generation. Um, the risk tolerance level of that next generation may not be there to handle the one-third, two-thirds and sharing <laughs> a little bit of the input cost. And so um, you know, cash rent is always available, but um, we've really been promoting a net shares uh, rent arrangement where um, 100% of the input costs are on us as the tenants, um, but then they get a percentage of the crop um, w- with only them paying um uh, 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 taxes uh, property taxes their crop insurance yeah um and a few other little expenses not not much but um that that is that has probably turned out to be our most attractive lease arrangement so when the when the good is when the good times are really good they get a share in that um but when they're not as good then we're also sharing in that as well
0: so in that case instead of two-thirds one-third you ratchet it down or is that still a one-third two-third
1: no, we ratcheted down and uh, we, we've done we did some analysis, some um, about a five year look back through our whole cropping rotation to see what what that percentage place would be you know, if we looked at a, the, the net earnings off of one third, two third. And so we try to take that take that down yep. to a net percentage point. And okay. uh, I think we got it. I think we got it within just a few dollars. So I think we're we're doing pretty good. Good, good, good. So.
0: You know, again, you, you mentioned you had that that struggle back in, you know, let's see, was that in 15 time frame, 14, 15, know 14, 15, is that when, because I remember the, you know, the price of wheat just collapsed there during that time period, but I can't remember what year that was.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, the fall of, uh, or the winter of 14 going into 15.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: If I'm correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we don't want to go through that again if we can help it. So uh, yeah, um,
1: yeah I prefer that. Now, so.
0: now it looks like you know really you were able to sort of recover from that by reaching out to somebody, to get that mentoring, and so on. Is, is that do you think you did that right, or do you think looking back on it, you should have done something different, done something sooner, or or done something different on the risk management side? I'm just curious. If you look back on it, uh, what what you did right and what you maybe did wrong?
1: Yeah, um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and, and everybody yep. is their own worst critic. And so I could easily tell you everything that I did wrong. Um, <laughs> we probably started with with what we did right, and that's um, we swallowed our pride and and sought you know, sought out advice, sought out the help. Um, that that was probably the number one thing that we did right. The the second thing we did right is we just started doing in-depth analysis of where, where we were bleeding financially, um, what changes needed to be made, um, how quick can we make these changes? Um, and, and then also making, I mean, we made the true analysis of should we still be farming or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we kind of gave ourselves this window and said, if we don't figure this out in the next couple months, then we, we have to hang it up. I mean, there's, that, that, that we would be very bad stewards of the operation if we if we c- continued to go at that rate um but we you know i knew that there could there there's changes that needed to be made um and so so that's what we did right what we did wrong um while searching out help is we probably didn't do it fast enough yeah um you know, we Probably in September, October of that year, I knew that I, you know, I, I had kind of come to that realization that this wasn't going to be good. Um, and it was probably end of November, early December is when it finally hit that I needed to do something. Yeah. Uh, I should say finally need to do something. It was, it was, that was, that was the time that, that i finally did something, you know, two months after I realized I needed to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's that's what I did wrong. That's one of the things I did wrong. You know, of course, we can go back even farther than that. I shouldn't have bought overpriced equipment. I shouldn't have taken on some some uh, uh, some farms that I, even, I just, not farm ground, but some custom work, some of those things that were, uh, were going to be razor thin to begin with. Again, um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, I sh- I would never have done that today. Um, but you know, yeah. at, at mid twenties, yeah, mid just an eager and full full of energy you just did it
0: yeah well and that's how you learn I mean you learn more from your mistakes than your successes matter of fact I think some people that start out the gate being very successful that's almost the worst thing can happen because you get a little bit overconfident and then uh, and then something bites you later on that you're not quite ready for yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: so, you know, you are a younger producer. Um, you, you're still relatively young. I mean, you're uh, young enough to be my son, so I'm going to still uh, call you relatively young. Um, is there advantages to being a younger producer? Is there disadvantages? Let's let's sort of uh, dive into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, the, um, you know, the good thing about being young is you, you are full of energy. You're full of, you know, and then a little bit of spunk, a little yeah. bit of... Uh, um it a little <laughs> a little edge to you that that feels like you have to prove prove to other people that you belong um which which i think is a good thing because it, it really makes you work hard um uh i, I think that's something you know one of the good things in the in the uh, aspect of of attracting landowners and things like that um is is that you're here especially being a fifth generation farmer like us we uh you know, we're here for the long haul. Yeah, you know, we're we're not gonna come in for a couple years, farm and then want to leave. You know, we're here for the long haul. We're gonna be around for the next 40, 50 years, um, hopefully, God willing. And um, and, and so that's pretty attractive. And then and then it's also you know the um, the attractiveness of, of uh, an older generation reaching out and working with a younger generation, and and that kind of relationship that can be built, um, and the camaraderie that, you know, I think, I think the older generation really enjoys having that young, that young family yep. around and vice versa. You know, we've learned, we've learned very quickly that we'd really like having that older generation around and, and listening to them and, and hearing the stories and, and learning from them. And, um, so it, you know, some of my best friends are probably in their sixties and seventies. Um, are the people I would enjoy visiting with more than, than some of my 30 year old you know but it's yeah uh, but it, 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 that's that's been that's been something that's been really good um you know i've uh, i i assume that you know we're gonna talk about the, the the negative side of it and the bad side of it yeah uh, you know one of the one of the hard parts is in our, in our case and i can always speak about my my situation is, you know my father passed away when i was 24 um uh, going into going into you know we, we we really hadn't sat down and decided, okay, you know, Matt, you're going to come back and farm, but we didn't have that guidance yeah. early on of an older generation, whether it be your father or not. I mean, it, it, you know, it, we just didn't have that, that guidance of that older generation. Um, so that, that is tough. And, and then, and then, you know, some of the, some of the, um, the neighboring farmers and the neighboring farms, think that a lot of these young guys are, are are just out out to conquer the world out to take yeah. over everything you know and 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 arrogant and and things like that and uh, you know, my wife and i can say we we haven't taken over really any farms out of contention everything that we've done is has been phone calls to us um has been reached have people been reached has reached out to us or or just situations have fallen kind of right in place at the right time you know I would love nothing more than to see some of my young peers and some of my young, uh, uh, friends be able to take over an operation and, and start farming. So we're not out to, to, to take over everybody's farm by any means or any, yeah. yeah. farm. just here to make a good life for ourselves and, um, and do what's right and just do it, do it the right way. Um, and, and I think that's something that's a mis uh, you know, kind of misunderstood on this, on this younger generation. Um, I'm
0: just curious, you know, in some parts of the country, including out in our area, uh, especially on the irrigated side, you're seeing seeing more and more large family offices or private equity coming in and buying up farmland that then they do a long-term lease with somebody like you as the tenant. Do you see much of that going on in central Kansas or is it still pretty much... Hey, it's the it's the it, the land's been in the family for two or three generations. They're just renting it out, or I'm just curious what you see going on as far as that trend in your area.
1: Yeah, I'd say the majority of it is still just the family owned, and then and then leasing it out. You know, um, uh, you know, bringing private equity in, or, or you know, investors or things like that. Um, happened you know probably at the beginning of our farming career kind of cooled off a little bit but it's coming back um we do have a handful of guys and and gals that we we farm for who would be probably fit in that category but they're in it for the long haul you know their grandfather farmed in the area or their you know their 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 dad grew up mom or dad grew up on the on some of this property and they want to just own a piece of the the heritage there and, and uh um, and and then one, you know, one guy in particular who we are really uh, starting a good relationship with is, is wanting to transfer ownership from one state to the next due to property taxes. You know, yeah. the, the state of Kansas has favorable property tax value, and he's not tied to the state that he's coming from. Yeah. And so selling his ground in that other state and just finding finding young farmers yeah. across the, the state and um, buying ground and and, uh, and having them farm it. So And, I'm, and he's... And he's in it for the long the long haul as well
0: i'm guessing he could be from the state of nebraska so based on on uh, my uh, my uh, review of uh, property taxes that's that's got to be one of the worst states for property taxes for farmers
1: I, that is correct
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry you didn't tell me that up front but i can just tell right away and especially since uh, Nebraska is a neighboring state so now are you as far as your irrigated ground is that coming out of the Ogallala, or is that a different uh uh water source yeah
1: you know, it uh, some of it's all kind of tied into the well i, I you know definitely not a geologist or a, or a, yeah it, it, anything like that but yeah you know, most of what we're tie- pulling out of is the eastern side of the Ogallala Aquifer, um, but there'd be like tributaries and fingers of it. Um, a lot of our southern ground, uh, on the southern part of our farm operation, is pulling out of a, the Arkansas River um, mm. Basin—not actually the river itself, but the basin down there. So we've got some some wells that we're pulling through sand um, with, you know, a water table that's sitting at you know eight to ten foot. Oh. <laughs> um where, where if you get a good rain that what that the rain comes up through the soil not down into the soil, yeah kind of yeah yep. um, and um and, and then some of our other ground does pull out of the uh, Ogallala aquifer um, we're we, we're very fortunate to still have a good um to have really good uh, water source um a recharge rate that is is really good um you know it, it's it's unfortunate and, and i really feel for those guys who are have uh, built their operation around some really good water that are having to make really tough decisions now on, yeah. on irrigating hot in western Kansas but um we we're very fortunate um where we're at to, to have have good water but um it, well, we're we'd be primarily considered a dry land operation with a few pivots here and there so. okay now how how far spread out are you on
0: your operation as far as north to south and east to west? Uh, I know in some areas it's very compact. other other producers uh, could have a pretty wide uh, range of of
1: operation. Yeah, so um, we like I said we we first started farming in um, the small town Lorraine, Kansas, which is in southern Ellsworth County. Um, and then when we started the transition to take over uh, the Scheifler operation that was about 30 miles south in central and south central rice county Mm. um so uh, then we've kind of added ground in between and and on the fringes and things like that so we're about about 60 miles north to south um and then we're about 35 east to west um that has been a really, a really big benefit to the efficiency of our operation. We can start harvest on the south side of the farm, you know, five days before the the crop is ripe. Towards the yep. north, the, yep. the combines flow with the ripeness of the crops, and and planting does the same thing. Spraying, everything kind of follows that same uh, that same pattern from from south to north, and um, and it really it has not created any you know, Any issues that are, are unsurmountable by any means, and it's actually been a big benefit to, uh, um, to you know to our to our efficiency this year in particular. One side of the farm has gotten pretty timely rains; looks really green. We're going to have a, a pretty good harvest, and the other side's kind of burning up a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it does it does help in in those in in those manners.
0: Well, that's like out in our area, we uh, Walla Walla County, which is where my cousin's farm and where I grew up. Uh, you know, we we range in elevation for farming from maybe 400 feet, 300 feet above sea level, all the way up to about 3,000 feet. And and my cousins have ground, let's say that's at 1,000 feet, and then it's 1,500 feet, then it's 2,000 feet, and then 2,500 feet of elevation. So you get that nice, uh, you know, the higher elevation is later in the season, the lower elevations earlier in the season. So like you say, the harvest isn't really compact. And, and again, for us out here with wheat harvest that's going on right now, uh, we're, you know, worst case scenario, we get, we're going to get maybe one or two days of rain where we get a tenth of an inch of rain. So we're not worried about that quality issue where, you know, untimely rains is going to end up affecting the crop. So, uh, uh, and matter of fact, this year, you know, we're going to have a three-month harvest. I mean, the the spring was so late and and the yields are so heavy right now and the straw is so heavy. Uh, matter of fact, the wheat might be ready to be harvested, but the straw is still you know, par- partially green. So uh, it's gonna be a very interesting summer for harvest. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Matt, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor, Betsy's, and we're gonna come back and talk about a few other things, and then I'm gonna let you get on the road because I know uh, you got a meeting coming up, but we'll go ahead and take a quick uh, break right now.
1: Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness.
0: Welcome back everyone to the farm CPA podcast presented by top producer. I'm Paul Neifer, your host, and we're going to go ahead and rejoin our conversation uh, with Mark Splitter and or Matt, excuse me. I wrote down Mark and then I was looking at this and I go, I, I messed that up. So uh, uh, of course my name's been messed up a few times, Matt. So, <laughs> but, oh, uh, don't
1: worry.
0: Um, you know, you had a jolt when your father passed away and you know the the farm was transitioned over to you um, do you have any kids uh, right now i'm just curious you know sometimes you have kids sometimes you don't when you're in your early 30s I, i'm just curious you have any kids
1: yeah we have two daughters um eight eight and six um pretty early in in their life to to uh, decide if they have much much interest in the farm. you know they I think they have a bigger interest in in dad than they do the farm. <laughs> yep, um, yep so so it, it, we'll see how that all that all plays out. but um, definitely not going to push don't have an intention to push the farm onto them um, if it's not wanted,
0: yeah. yeah, I'm seeing more and more when there are daughters only in the family. and matter of fact, I'm thinking of a few other. Uh, farm families that I'm associated with that uh, there might be two daughters like in your situation and one of the daughters has gotten very active in the farm is taking over the operation it isn't really just males doing the farming anymore it's definitely females and so on
1: are you seeing that in your area or or not um you know not not specifically but the conversations are being had and, and and those um it's becoming it's becoming more common than in the past and uh, you know we're, we're really excited about just just that idea you know the the breaking down some of these gender barriers yeah um, by having you know I, we've got a two two daughters who are you know being young or strong-willed we hope <laughs> that that strong will continues and pushes and propels them forward you know and 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 my wife is actively involved in the operation as well and and you know it is important to us to make sure that that we are um we're representative of what we want to see in the world as we progress forward so you know we we have no gender barriers on our operation and yeah and have have some have have female employees and interns and and so it has really been been really good for our operation to 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 have that
0: good 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 now
1: again I sort of mentioned that you have to get
0: ready to leave for a meeting and and that's because you're involved in a peer group uh, explain for the audience what a peer group is how it works and then why you like being in a peer group
1: yeah um uh, a peer group is is just the combination or the bringing gathering of uh, like-minded farmer owners um uh, part of our peer group you have to be that the the owner of the operation or the or the the main manager you know the the head guy of your operation and, and, uh, um, the, the group that we're associated with is Keiko, um, what, I guess it was Keiko eyes and now it's Keiko. Now it's Pinion. or <laughs> I can't keep up, but they, uh, <laughs> they, they facilitate the, uh, the, the meetings they've placed us, um, in a, sorry for my phone going off there, but yeah, they've okay. placed us in, uh, in a meeting or in a, in a setting where there's, um, there was about seven of us who were all, Roughly the same age, um, same size operation, facing the same um, let me just turn that off, facing some of the same challenges and the same issues. And so when when that had happened, um, you know our farm was able to to expand to a uh, I should say expand, but grow, mentally grow, and be challenged because we, there were seven of us from five different states. All facing some of, some of the same issues, but with five to seven different ways of handling them. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so we've kind of become our our own board of advisors, board of directors, things such as that. And so that has been that's been really good for for me to to have that outlet, to have that place where I can go and be and and speak confidentially you know, speak in confidentiality, um, but also receive feedback that maybe it's the stuff you don't want to hear. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's a reformation that you are doing, doing something right. Um, and so, so that's been good. Our, our peer group is now transitioning into the combination of two peer groups. And so we're a little bit bigger now. Um, and this is our first meeting as our bigger group. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear from them, excited to learn and, and, and see where that, that goes, but it's, it's been very big for our operation for sure. So
0: now that, that, that new bigger group are there than older producers i mean you said that you had a group of younger producers it, it seems like maybe having a mix of older and younger uh, you, you know you can take advantage of sort of the collective wisdom that the older group is is developed or is it still relatively a young group
1: um i think relatively it's still a young group um i have like i said, i haven't met everybody yet um, but it, 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 it doesn't matter. We'll just say that yeah. it just doesn't matter. You know, it, we can learn, we can learn so much from, from everybody, from everybody in the group, whether it is, you know, young or old and, 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 uh, age is just strictly a, a, a number in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, you know, a lot of my best, better friends are in their sixties and years old. So, so I'm excited to, I'm excited to learn from them, but, um, you know, the, the good thing about these peer groups as well is if it just doesn't fit your personality and it just doesn't fit you, you know, you are able to come and go. Yeah. Um, not, not, not real freely. You know, there is a financial obligation to do this and it does take time out of our operation to do it. You know, so, um, uh, so we, we got to make sure that the time that we're spending in these peer groups is, is worth our time. It's worth yeah. our dollars. It's, worth, you know, um, and it's, it's quite a commitment, but uh, and part of this, you know, on, on, you a kind of a cheap plug here a little bit, but a lot of this stemmed from tpap with the executive mm-hmm. program producers yep. out of texas a m and it, it, this and this idea of a peer group um bringing like-minded people together kind of stemmed from that whole setting um out of our peer group at one point i think half of us had done tpap and the other half hadn't and then going into covid um, the other half that hadn't done tpap was signed up to go and so <laughs> So that kind of just goes to show the quality of that program and the quality yeah. of people that we have in our peer group. Now,
0: typically, do you what meet twice a year, once a year? You usually meet at the, at an operation or just go over the structure a little bit of how the, the peer group actually operates?
1: Yeah, our peer group meets uh, twice a year in person at this point. Um, and, so, and, it's, and a lot of it is just based upon the consensus of your group, how much you'd like to meet. Um, but we meet twice a year. Once at a central location in the United States, usually near an airport or you know a, a larger airport, so it's easier yeah. to get in and out. And then the other time, uh, usually during the summer, we would meet on a farm on an on an operation.
0: Okay. Uh, when we
1: meet on those operations, is when we we spend time getting to know that operation more in depth, getting to know uh, how they function, uh, visit with their employees, visit with uh, the, their their stakeholders. Um, and then just offer some advice back to them. Okay,
0: okay, okay. And then, uh, you know, I usually, uh, when I'm doing a podcast with uh, producers especially, I always like to ask a couple questions toward the end of the podcast. And the first question I always like to ask is, what keeps you up at night? Is there something that you worry about or something that you're concerned about? I'm just curious what keeps you up at night.
1: Yeah, right now, the 2023 uh cropping season as a whole it probably has me a little nervous and and keeps me up a lot of that is you know we are still looking at fairly good um fairly good crop prices Mm -hmm. anytime you can sell six seven dollar wheat minimum you're doing good and same thing with corn five dollar corn i mean that was a couple years ago no we're begging for to go to 401 so we could sell four dollars yeah. You know, so here we have the opportunity to sell five dollar corn, um, but but what's what's making it really sh- um, hard for me to comprehend is the idea that there's no buying opportunities. There's no flash deals on fertilizer. There's sure. uh, input costs are remaining high, and and, and not just not just remaining. You know, we we've bounced back. We've, we've come back down off the market a little bit, off off the peaks of the market, but. Uh, but there's still no there's still no opportunities to to use your cash to lock in a cheaper rate that makes the margins look very favorable for 2023. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's probably got me up a little. That that's that's really what's keeping me up at night is, is and, and then and then also but being able to identify or see, identify and act on those buying opportunities. Cause maybe those buying opportunities aren't going to be a 50% change in the market or even a 40 or a 30 or a 20. Maybe those buying opportunities come in single-digit increments. Maybe there's a yeah. two, five percent, seven percent lowering in the fertilizer market, and you know, we all know that we can look at market trends. That's going to be just a little blimp on the radar, but maybe that is our buying opportunity. Yeah, uh, yeah. So being able to, being able to see those, identify them, and, and purchase in those situations is is, is kind of it's got me pretty nervous.
0: Yeah. 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 And, you know, I was just reading an article last week that, you know, you have these countries like Ireland and Netherlands that are saying, hey, in order to get zero emissions or order by 2030 or 2035, we have to cut back on fertilizer usage by 25%. And, you know, if that starts to happen in the U.S., you know, it's it's really going to affect a lot of farmers across the, across the whole U.S.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, um I'm a, I'm a member of our K- uh, Kansas Corn Growers Association and we've been having some some discussions regarding uh, the use of, of some of these um, herbicides atrazine in particular and how it's going through some some scientific uh, validation struggles with the EPA and yeah. and uh, it, it's kind of hypocritical for for uh, an organization who wants to lower carbon emissions Yet yeah, they want to take away tools out of our toolbox to, to lower it. To, yeah, to lower it. So we're just gonna start plowing ground. I mean, it's that's kind of yeah. that's extreme. But it's um, you know th- those things they don't really keep me up at night too much. And and part of the reason is it's cyclical. It'll come and go. We'll find new ways to adapt and, and move forward. Um, you know, and, and other you know, challenges in farming usually bring out the best in us as well yeah, yeah exactly and, and we'll find we'll find ways around it and we'll find ways to to push through and make it work but uh yeah it, it's it's uh you know the rhetoric or you know the uh the, the conversation the noise we say the, the noise that is happening in the general public about about farming or just the political scene and things like that um doesn't keep me up it doesn't keep me too occupied because it's yeah. it's, it, it's just that it's just noise yeah yeah
0: well, and then then my last question is always, uh, what is your definition
1: of success in farming? Yeah, that, that is uh, it's definitely changed over the last ten years. Um, and And I think we've we're starting to figure out that um, uh, you know success can be measured in in multiple different ways. you know the way that my my uh, wife and children view success in, in, in the farming operation versus the way that the bank, Yeah, Yeah, views views our success to the way that my landowners view success to the way that that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the neighbors view my success or whatever it may be. Um, You know, for me, it's can I can I go to sleep at night knowing that I tried the hardest that I could to bring a better life for for my kids, for my wife, for myself? And have, have we contributed to society, not have we become a thorn in society's side, but have we have we truly contributed to the betterment of society? And have I made my, my employees life better today? Have I made my wife and kids life better by my actions today? And, and, uh, um, I, I think that's, that's kind of my measure of success for my, for myself. Now, if we want to look at just strictly the success of farming is I, I, I believe that as a young farmer, you have to view some successes is in your ability to withstand the tough times. Yeah. And, and that means right now, it probably means how good is your working capital? Yeah. How much cash do you have in reserves to get through some of these tough times? Yeah. Can you adapt? Can can you adapt and, and push through this? Or push through some tough times? I shouldn't say this, you know, we're, we're I say this cause we're in a, kind of looking at a major drought here, but, but can you, can you, can you withstand the tough times and push through it and, and come out uh, okay? You know, yeah. Just come out yeah. right, fight again. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, if we're looking at just financial measures, I think, how good is your working capital? How good is your your debt debt to asset ratios? Um, and are you poised to withstand uh, a couple a couple tough years?
0: Yeah, because you know in farming, you're always uh, typically when you have the good years, there's a few tough years coming right after it, and and Absolute that cycle extreme. has never ever changed. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, it, I've heard uh, Lee Scheifler say, "Extremes follow extremes."
0: Yep, 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 yep. So, well, Matt, I, I know you need to get going for your peer group meeting, and I really appreciate uh, you taking the time today to to uh, to have the podcast with us. Is there any final thoughts you want to share, or do you think you covered everything?
1: I've covered everything that i that I felt like I, I wanted to say, but you know I, I do appreciate these opportunities to visit and and um, I appreciate the, the what the top producer uh, program has done on the business side of the operation. Um, That's this sur- allowed us to surround ourselves with, with some of the top notch business minds in the agriculture field. And so I really, really appreciate that.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Well, again, Matt, thanks a lot. Uh, this is the Farm
0: CPA podcast pre- uh, presented by Top Producer. And I'm Paul Nefer, your host, signing off.